0: Continuing this morning, as it's been mentioned a number of times, um, continuing in our Rediscovering the Holy Spirit series. And we're going to be looking at a passage in Mark chapter 13. So if you've got a Bible with you, or if you want to grab one of those Bibles in front of you, you can turn to to Mark chapter 13. Uh, But before we actually read the passage, I want to ask you a crucial question this morning. And you don't have to answer, it's a rhetorical question, but just think about it. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit still speaks today? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit still speaks today? And if your instinctive answer to that was, well, yes, of course I do, then I want to ask a follow-up question. Do you want the Holy Spirit to speak? Do you want the Holy Spirit to speak? Because if you don't, then I'm going to warn you that this message might not do anything for you. (laughs) You might be better off going and doing something else. At the same time, I want you to stay because I want to actually help you understand uh, that if you're actually curious about how and for whom and through whom and by whom and for what purposes and in what ways the Spirit does speak through and to the believers of Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you to, rem- to 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 know that this actually might be worth your time. At least just as a preliminary conversation, we're going to have kind of a part two version of this in a couple weeks, but. This is a helpful initial conversation for thinking about how does the Spirit speak, how and why does the Spirit speak. And I, and I call this a conversation intentionally, because I don't actually think it's helpful for us to think of a message or a sermon as just a one-way street. What we're doing right now is we're engaging in a conversation with the Father, each one of us, through His Holy Spirit. He has specific things to say to us, both communally and individually, to each one of us this morning through his Holy Spirit. Gordon Smith has noted that not every preacher or sermon is going to be overly engaging. Totally recognize that. (laughs) But he says this, if we intentionally ask the question, Spirit of the living God, what are you saying to me through this person for this moment in my life? He says we're going to consistently find that there's actual remarkable clarity that comes when we intentionally ask this question, and not even just in a message, or a sermon, or in a church service, but in every moment of our lives. Spirit of the living God, what are you saying to me for this moment in my life? Because of course, what's really important is that we have the ears to hear, and we're actually being attentive to what the Spirit is doing. And that's my hope for this morning. Not that I say anything revolutionary, but that the Spirit might use something I say or don't say to connect with the Spirit within you, and to bring about something that might Transform your heart, or something new that you've not thought about before. It's not, it's not about the man or the woman that stands behind this pulpit that transforms hearts. We have to remember that. It's the Spirit who speaks. And I want to spend some time this morning talking about that Spirit and how He speaks. So, I'm going to encourage you then over this next half hour to have a conversation to have a conversation, to think of this as a conversation. Write notes, have an open mind, do whatever you need to do to, to look past those distractions because we've all come with distractions this morning. We've all come thinking about different things, task lists that we need to do, things that we're doing after the service today. Just set those aside. Set those aside and try to have a mind and a heart that's open to receiving from the Spirit in whatever way possible. It might not even be something that gets mentioned. You might actually have a little brain tangent that goes somewhere else, and that's where the Spirit actually wants to connect with you. But have an open mind for what God might be wanting to share with you this morning. Because if we don't do that, there's really no point in me actually preaching this message at all. Okay? So, let's look at Mark chapter 13, verses 9 through 11. Now, initially, this is going to seem like a bit of a strange passage to be looking at when it comes to talking about the Holy Spirit. But it'll be clear as we go along why we're looking at these particular verses. Um, it's under the heading, The Destruction of the Temple and the Signs of the End Times. Okay? Mark chapter 13, verses 9 through 11, and it'll also be on the screen. Jesus is saying this to his disciples, You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues, on account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Communion table a lot farther away now. <laughs> Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, says Jesus, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. What a fascinating thing for Jesus to say in the context of talking about the end times. Nation rising up against nation. Family being in strife with one another. Uh, family quarrels, destruction of the temple, it's all very dramatic, right? All the things that he's saying around this passage, if you look at, if you still have your Bibles open, this context is quite dramatic. And I think this, this comment is, is just so out of the blue, it's often really, really neglected. It's often neglected. And I mean, even all the commentaries that I have, none of them even mentioned this verse because there's so much else going on that Jesus is talking about. But how crazy! Then for Jesus to just throw that comment in there. You know, as if the disciples are sort of sitting on the edges of their seats, hearing about all these last times conversations, what's going to happen to them in the near future, and they're going to be flogged in temples, and then suddenly just Jesus just says, don't worry about it. <laughs> what? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about any of that. Just, just say, just say whatever is given to you to say at the time. Because it's not about you. It's going to be the Holy Spirit within you. It's so beautifully random, actually. It's hard to not just stop and pause and take notice of this. He's pointing, of course, to a future reality that the disciples haven't yet experienced. Right, The fulfillment of God's promise to dwell among his people in a new way. For the Holy Spirit to fall on the disciples of Jesus as it's prophesied in Joel. All of that. But the timing, of course, of this is really bizarre. What's Jesus doing? Is this intentional on his part to just kind of slide that in there? Well, yeah. Because once he's no longer with them, this is when the disciples are going to need him the most. Of course, his his physical presence isn't going to be them, but see, more than his physical presence among them, they're going to need his spirit because they're not going to actually be able to stand the pressure just standing on their own two feet. It's not going to work. They're going to need all the help they can get to withstand the difficulties that are facing them as followers of Jesus. There's going to be a lot that comes at them. And they will not withstand the pressures on their own. There's, there's no greater help than the Spirit of Jesus Christ living and moving and speaking within them. See, notice in this passage that Jesus doesn't talk about the Spirit moving or transforming or shifting or shaping or doing all those other things that the Spirit does. Those are incredibly important. But he highlights here the Spirit speaking. As if all those other things that the Spirit does, of course, are incredibly important, but they don't actually mean anything if we don't actually believe that the Spirit wants to communicate with us. If we don't actually believe that the Spirit wants to be communicating with us, how will we believe that he wants to transform us? And Jesus' comment here about the Spirit to the disciples is then asking them to grasp onto some really key truths about the Holy Spirit regarding this topic. And so I'm going to give you seven this morning. You know, because a few equates to seven. It's the same thing. It's fine. I'm going to give you seven, seven implications this morning that stem from this one verse that Jesus wants his followers to grasp. Okay? We're going to go through them fairly quickly. Don't worry. But seven implications that I think Jesus wants his followers to grasp just because of this one verse. Number one, this might be obvious, but the Spirit speaks. Again, put your headspace, put yourself in the, in the position of the disciples, Right? The Spirit speaks. The Spirit actually speaks. And the Spirit wants to speak to you. Look at Acts chapter 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The Holy Spirit said. Who said? The Holy Spirit, thank you. Yes, you're, you're paying attention. The Holy Spirit said. Nobody else said. The Holy Spirit said. And notice how the Holy Spirit says something in the context of them worshiping. As if it takes a little bit of discipline for these disciples to be able to hear the Holy Spirit. But also, they're fasting and praying so that they can hear the Holy Spirit. Because they believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to them. Now, I, I put this one first, and I know it sounds obvious, but at the same time, I think this one is the one that's a really hard sell in our world today, if we're talking to somebody about Christianity, right? As I was writing this sermon, I was, I was sitting on the back deck of our condo and observing the construction workers that are currently working on a new community center next to our condo building. And I, I had this thought, I just wondered, what would these individuals think? If we were talking about Christianity and I told them that God speaks to me through his Holy Spirit, what would they think? It's a little quirky, right? Because, of course, I think most people think and believe, sure, you know, yeah, God speaks through a holy book or you can speak to God through prayer, right? That all seems fairly normal. But to say that, God speaks to me directly by his Holy Spirit? Nah, come on, really? I mean, even, even those horoscope writers and psychics and palm readers, they use something, right? They use cards or, or magic or, or some sort of crystal ball. There's some kind of medium by which they can give a word from the spirits, whatever. There's always some kind of medium. But God made it abundantly clear in scripture, even to the Israelites, that there is not supposed to be any intermediary role, right? There's not supposed to be any medium because that is the role of the Holy Spirit. That is the role of the Holy Spirit, which leads then to the second implication for this morning too. Jesus implying that the Spirit speaks and the Spirit speaks through you. Spirit speaks through you. How do we know this? Well, the passage in Mark that we read makes it clear. The Spirit will speak through you, says Jesus. That's something he wants to do. In 2 Peter 1, Peter's talking to the church about prophecy in Scripture. And of course, when, when in the New Testament, when they talk about Scripture, they're referring to the Old Testament, okay? So Peter's referring to Scripture in the Old Testament, to prophecy, and that none of those books came about because the prophets were just making it up or interpreting things for themselves. No, he says this, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, it's not like the Holy Spirit just showed up in the New Testament. No, the Holy Spirit was there throughout Israel's history. Yes, anointing one or two individuals here and there, but the Holy Spirit anointed certain individuals so that they could be carried along by the Spirit. What a beautiful phrase. Carried along by the Holy Spirit. That is exactly what. What Jesus is talking about. Don't worry about what you're going to say because you'll be carried by the Holy Spirit. What an encouragement that would be. What a beautiful way to put it. Not to say that we're like the prophets and that we need to write more prophetic books because we're carried along by the Spirit. Not at all. Jesus fulfilled the prophets, remember? Jesus fulfilled that. But what is clear in the New Testament is that prophetic words of encouragement and wisdom and sometimes even caution are still a way that Jesus uses the spirit to empower the church. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. Words are given to the believers so that encouragement can be given to each other. There was a when I was studying at Regent, there was a woman there who had a special gift in prophetic encouragements and I knew this because they always struck a chord with me anytime she spoke over me. And I I just wanted, every time I wanted to grasp onto every word she said or prayed over me uh, because it always just was so meaningful. But I had to remember, her name was Allie, I had to remember that Allie was only saying what she believed the Spirit was telling her to say. It wasn't about her. It was about God using her to reach me because this is one of the ways that God works. God wants to guide his children by using other children to speak to them. Three, the Spirit speaks through you. So the Spirit speaks, and the Spirit speaks through you, specifically in times of difficulty or trial. And we see this, of course, in the passage for this morning. Now, of course, God always wants to be speaking to us, but we particularly need to hear his voice, especially in seasons of difficulty or trial. Look at Acts 21. Paul, by this point, by the end of Acts, Paul's in quite a significant amount of danger with the local religious authorities, well, local, like all over the Mediterranean world, but particularly in Jerusalem. And while visiting with the believers in Tyre, they beg Paul not to go back to Jerusalem because of the dangers they'll face there. But look at the way that Luke writes it. We sought out the disciples there, stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go back to Jerusalem. That was a word of caution that came from the Holy Spirit in the context, again, of worship and prayer. Through the Spirit, they urged him not to go. Difficult times, right? Life-threatening situations. Paul's probably a ball of anxiety and worry at this point in his life. But to hear then those words of caution coming from his friends, By the Holy Spirit. What an encouragement to him that would be. To have those words not come to him directly, because of course, if he's caught up in his own worries and anxieties, he's probably not always able to hear very well. But to have the fellow disciples that he's worshiping with say to him, Nuh uh, don't do it. (laughs) What a comfort. We can do the same for one another. There's so many opportunities where the Spirit wants to give us words of encouragement or comfort to share with one another. But you know, if we're not really listening, we're going to miss a lot of those opportunities. Danny and I had uh, neighbors next to us. Uh, recently moved out, but neighbors right in the condo next to us. Um, Call them Greg and Barbara. Older couple. Uh, very strong followers of Jesus Christ. Very strong. They had had us over a couple times for coffee and biscuits And we had been noticing over the last month that Barbara's health wasn't doing so good. Every time we saw her, she just, yeah, looked a little bit worse. We had a a niggling feeling for probably about a month that we should go visit them. We should just go check in. We had even bought like a little plant and a card. But then we just didn't prioritize it. Because life got in the way. happens when I'm practicing. <laughs> and Betty passed away. And I couldn't believe, this is a really sad story, sorry guys, but I couldn't believe that for a whole month I'd had this niggling feeling that I should go see her. And I didn't. And that's not the first time that that's happened. Because life got in the way. What What kind of excuse is that? Right? It's not life's fault that I didn't prioritize it. Perhaps it wouldn't have made much difference, but, you know, isn't that always the excuse? The thing is, in God's kingdom, every little bit of encouragement or love that you can give to somebody else matters. It matters so much because you never know what somebody else might need to hear in that moment. You never know what the spirit might want to say through you to someone else. You never know, because four, Jesus is implying in this passage that the spirit also speaks comfort through you. The spirit doesn't just speak through you, the spirit speaks comfort through you. Especially in seasons of difficulty, comfort, God's comfort through you. You know, Jesus gave his disciples in this passage in Mark, nothing but worry and reasons to be concerned and uncertainty and reasons to be afraid, yet he told them not to worry. How is this possible? Not to worry, unless the power of his comforting spirit is within them. In one of my years at Regent, studying for my master's, I I ended up going to a prayer chapel. They had them every once in a while. And during the time of worship, we were asked to form small groups and to pray with one another. So got together with one or two other. There was two other students that we got together with. A couple of guys, uh, older, wiser than me at the time. I think they were fourth year students. And we ended up sharing with each other prayer concerns and things that we were hoping that they could pray. You know, we could each pray over each other about. And I shared with them that I was going through a tough situation and a tough conversation was going to need to happen. And one of these students then shared this verse with me from Mark 13. Don't worry about what to say. And at the time, of course, your brain later on goes into the, well, what if I'm not really listening and what if I miss what the Spirit's gonna say to me? But at the time, to be given that verse was such an encouragement. It was such a word of comfort Because, you know, it reminded me that I'm not doing this by myself. I'm not alone in this. Jesus told his disciples, don't worry about what you're going to say. Tough times are going to happen. Tough conversations are going to need to be held. But don't worry about what you're going to say. Listen for my spirit. And to help us even further, implication five is that the spirit not only speaks comfort through us, but he speaks confidence into us. He speaks comfort and he speaks confidence so that we don't have to worry about worrying what we're going to say. The prophet Zechariah wrote this This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. If that's our posture, well then, of course, the Spirit will use us. Because our confidence won't be in ourselves, but will be in Him. See, the problem is always when we fall into pride, right? Which is another way of putting that is just overconfidence in ourselves and in our own abilities. But when that gets shoved aside and we actually put all of our confidence in the Holy Spirit, then yes, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. Not by might, nor by power, or by intellect, or by knowledge, or by charisma, or an ability to think well, or speak quickly, but by my spirit. As Gordon Fias put it, part of Paul's conviction in spreading the gospel was that his message was going to be accompanied by the Holy Spirit. He believed that so strongly. He was convicted by that. There was a confidence there that that the message that he was spreading would be accompanied by the Spirit's power and that confidence had been given to him by the Spirit. Earlier I spoke about my neighbor Barbara who passed away. Well a couple weeks ago Danny and I um, had the honor of attending her funeral and it was a longer funeral so a lot was said about her but one of the most frequent comments that kept coming up about her was her confidence in her Savior. What a legacy to leave behind for your family. The confidence that she had in her Savior. And yet at the same time, this was not about her at all. Because that confidence was given to her by the Holy Spirit. Which is why implication six is this. That the Spirit speaks the truths of Jesus. Earlier, Pastor Liz actually had noticed in that, I've never noticed this before, but in that, the Holy Spirit prayer, remember that the kids always do? Spirit, help me hear you. Spirit, help me see Jesus. This is something the Spirit does. Why, what else would the Spirit say for those disciples that are picturing now themselves being dragged into temple courts and being flogged and being accused? What else in those moments would the Spirit inspire them to do other than to speak the truths of Jesus? What else would the Spirit say? Scholar Michael Green notes that ultimately, the Spirit's task is to illuminate Jesus to us, to illuminate to us God's will in Jesus. And Paul writes and prays in a number of places that the Spirit would do exactly this. Look at these verses, Colossians 1. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. I keep asking, he says in Ephesians 1, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And in 1 Corinthians, what we've received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. And then he says that these words were not taught us by human wisdom, but they were taught by the spirit. It's the spirit, says Green, who interprets Jesus as the focal point of God's will and revelation. It's by the Spirit that we understand that this is what God has been about from the very beginning. Sending His Son and revealing everything through Him. In other words, it's by the Spirit that we have the conviction, we are convinced that Jesus is who He says He is. And is the center that holds it all together. If you can honestly say and believe that Jesus is King of this universe, then that's the Spirit of God within you granting you that understanding. If you can honestly say that Jesus is Lord, that's the Spirit of God within you giving you that conviction. Because the Spirit, as Paul's alluded to, is our greatest teacher. Not that we don't need, you know, commentaries and services and sermons and podcasts and whatnot, but... None of those things should come before the Spirit. The more we depend on the Spirit as our teacher, as our main teacher, the more we'll know Jesus. And the more we'll build up the confidence that we need to speak about him. Because if the Spirit reveals Jesus, then the Spirit reveals truth. Right? Because Jesus is the way the life, and the truth. Which brings us to the seventh and last implication for this morning, that the Spirit speaks so that we'll trust Him. And for this, I want to return to my original question. Do you want the Spirit to speak? Do you want the Spirit to speak? Because if we want Him to speak, Step one is trusting that he actually does. St. Anselm of Canterbury, a theologian in the 11th century, theologian, sorry, theologian in the 11th century, once said this, I believe in order that I might understand. I believe in order that I might understand. In other words, taking that step of faith to trust, to trust The conviction that we've been given and to believe in the Spirit opens up our eyes to see more and more of Jesus. If you want to know Jesus better, trust that the Spirit actually speaks about him to you. Trust that the Spirit wants to reveal Jesus to you. Because that's his role. That's what he does. Believe this. This is crucial in our understanding, actually, of the gospel message that Jesus came to proclaim, right? He came proclaiming that the kingdom of God was near, which meant that the king, right, the Messiah in Israel's story, the king who would sit on the throne, he had come near. And by his death and his resurrection, his spirit could then live and work and transform and move and speak through the believers who would follow after Jesus and would carry on his mission. That same Spirit who raised him from the dead would live in his disciples, would live within all who would follow after him. And the more that these disciples would allow the Spirit to speak, the more that those truths about who Jesus is and why his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension Changed everything. The more that those truths would come to life, the more they could trust that that same power that raised Him from the dead was growing within and among them. Do we trust that power? Do we trust the Spirit? Are we willing to rediscover Him for today? To have confidence in Him? to listen for him, to wait on him, to be a people who depend on him, to allow him to speak comfort and confidence through us, to pray expectantly and tune our ears so that we can hear his voice. We're gonna talk again in a couple of weeks about more specific ways that we can hear the Spirit's voice. But for now, let me just finish with this final thought. As I sat on my back deck wondering how to finish this sermon, I was distracted by a group of women who came out onto the deck next to me, because of course it's a condo building, you've got decks next to each other, came out um, on the condo deck next to me, uh, carrying paint buckets and smoking cigarettes. They were what I thought were the, the new tenants after Greg, and who is Barbara's husband, after he had moved out. And I overheard them talking briefly about Barbara, about this former tenant who was 84 years old and had passed away quite suddenly. And I started worrying about what I might say to them if they said hello and asked me what I was doing. But then I remembered Jesus' words. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time. Because it won't be you speaking. It'll be the Holy Spirit. See, even in little moments like that, God is always wanting to speak to us. The question is, are we listening? Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us today. Living God, we... We have heard much from your scriptures this morning, and we do pray this morning, Lord, that you would you would continue to be speaking to us, whatever that looks like, Lord. Give us ears to hear from you. Give us discerning hearts, Lord, open hearts to receive whatever it is that you have to say to us in any given moment. May we not forget this when we leave this place today, Lord, but may we keep listening for you and trusting confidently that you do desire to speak to us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.